What happens when Jesus crosses your path? Well, amazing things happen. When Jesus crossed the path of Peter, Peter went from being an unschooled fisherman to a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus crossed Matthew's path, Matthew went from being a hated tax collector to a much-loved gospel writer. When Jesus crossed the path of Saul of Tarsus, Saul went from being a persecutor of the Christian church to Paul, a missionary and an apostle to the Gentiles. Throughout the Gospels, there are many stories of people whose lives were transformed by Jesus in so many wonderful, powerful ways. And one of these people was the unnamed Samaritan woman. Her life was transformed. Three simple thoughts, very simple thoughts to consider this morning. We'll think firstly about the sinner, secondly the Savior, then the saved. The sinner. For this unnamed Samaritan woman, it is likely that the day when her life was changed beyond all recognition started like any other day. Rising early as What was probably her custom? She sent her de facto partner off to work. And about seven o'clock in the morning, the village women walked past her door on the way to get water from the village well, known, of course, as Jacob's well. They would walk past her house in groups of three and four, arguably, their joyful chatter and spirited laughter and general camaraderie mocked her. Of course, early mornings was the perfect time to collect water in a hot climate when the day was still cool. But it had been years since she had been with them to the well to collect water in the early hours. The condemning stares, the hushed whispers, the deliberate isolation. It had all become too much for this Samaritan woman to bear. She had now resolved to get water when nobody else did. Inevitably, that was in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day when the sun was hottest. Why did she behave this way? Well, because this Samaritan woman was an outcast. In fact, she was an outcast amongst outcasts. She was an outcast in the eyes of a Jew. She was an outcast because of her ethnicity. The comment in verse 9 says it all. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. No ambiguity there, is there? Historically, of course, there was a lot of ethnic tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. And without going into too much boring detail, in the eyes of the Jew, the Samaritans had been disloyal to the true God, Yahweh. And therefore they shunned the Samaritans. This Samaritan woman was an outcast in the eyes 
of the Jews. But it didn't stop there. Because she was an outcast amongst outcasts. In the eyes of her fellow villagers, themselves Samaritans. She had, it seems, something of a reputation. She had a past. Who of us this morning don't have a past? Her past isolated her from her contemporaries. Isolated her from her community. She had been married five times. Five times, I understand from historians, that that was highly unusual in the first century. And the guy that she was currently living with, she was not married to. We are not told if the five marriages ended in death or divorce. But I guess the odds of losing five husbands by death is very small. It could well be that she was unable to bear children. And in that culture, of course, that would have been reason enough for her husband, husbands, to divorce her. We do know that she was currently living with a man who wasn't her husband. Was he just taking advantage of a lonely woman who was crying out for attention? Perhaps. But this Samaritan woman, she was an outcast amongst outcasts. She was lonely. She was isolated. Her expectations that morning were, I guess, no different from the previous mornings. She didn't have any expectation. Her life was miserable. But the Savior comes along. She had, it seems, a divine appointment. She was an outcast amongst outcasts, so it was normal for her to be ignored, to be judged, to be slandered, to be isolated. Consequently, I'm convinced she was certainly not expecting Jesus to talk with her, let alone engage with her, let alone care for her on that fateful day. However, such was Jesus' heart. Such was the nature of Jesus' unique ministry. Remember, he came not to seek and to save those who were, who were already in the fold. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. One thing can be said of this Samaritan woman is that she was lost. And so Jesus, because of his unique ministry, he cut across all known cultural taboos and initiates a conversation. Now we read this and pass by it as if it were little or nothing. Goodness, my friends, culturally, this was huge. Huge. Oh yes, even you and I in our pious pews would raise an eyebrow at such an act. It says in verse 7, Jesus said to her. Can you imagine? Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? He initiated the encounter, the conversation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The day I was saved, when I got up on that Friday morning, I had no intention of meeting with Jesus. 
No intention. Plenty of intention of going to school, because I had to. Plenty of intention of playing rugby after school, because that was my, my, my pleasure. No intention of meeting with Jesus. But Jesus sought me out. Hallelujah. He sought me out. I was lost and he sought me out. Here was this woman. She was lost. Isolated. Miserable, I'm sure. And Jesus sought her out. Such is the wonder of our salvation. What were your expectations when you got out of bed this morning? Did you have any? Did you have any expectations? Did you have an expectation of meeting with the Savior of the world? The King of Kings? Ah, you say, been there, got the t-shirt. Hallelujah, I say. But what about today? What about a fresh encounter with Christ? Was that your intention? Jesus is seeking us out. How wonderful. He's seeking to gather it out. He's got something special to communicate with me today. I'm so excited. I can't wait for him to communicate. He's got something unique to say to me. Some special ministry that, that, that I need. You don't know about it. Maybe I don't know myself. But he knows. And he's seeking me out. He initiates the conversation. He cuts across all cultural taboos. Jews hated Samaritans. Even more, men in that culture were never to address women who were on their own. Rabbis, rabbis simply did not mix with sinners and promiscuous people. Jesus cut across all cultural taboos. And hallelujah, he's still doing it. Isn't that wonderful? He still cuts across all cultural taboos. He still cuts across all religious traditions. Praise God he does. He knew all about her questionable lifestyle. And yet here he is conversing with her. And even willing it seems to share her cup. Oh my, I was reading his story this week. He almost tripped up in his words over this. He was even willing to share her cup. Wow. This is my Savior. Reaching out to this isolated woman. Even in her sinful state. Typically Jesus doesn't concern himself with cultural restrictions. Or social expectations. But with the needs of men and women. Boys and girls. My friends, Jesus was as unorthodox as they come. Wasn't he? Ah, we frown a little, don't we, these days, when we get a slightly unorthodox preacher in the pulpit. Or a slightly unorthodox minister of the gospel out in the street. We, we frown a little. Ooh, I wouldn't do that, we think to ourselves. We raise an eyebrow or two. My friends, Jesus was as orthodox as they come. Jesus stood on people's toes like they had never before. Jesus did not fit into the system. And so the system rejected him. Sadly, in some Christian circles, he still doesn't fit into the system. And the system rejects him, keeps him at the door. 
How sad. Jesus spent his whole life being rejected. Spent his whole life being isolated in so many ways. Jesus, the Son of God, healed in the name of God. And they called him Satan. Would you believe it? Jesus, in the name of God, brought teaching that would make a a, a sinner whole. And they rejected him and their hearts were hardened. Would you, Adam and Eve, believe it? And when push came to shove, Jesus was rejected even unto the cross when his own abandoned him. And worse than even that, as he became sin for us, the Father, the Father turned his face away. Boy, oh boy, if anybody knew what rejection is, Jesus knew. And he knew for me, for us. He understood this Samaritan woman because he understood rejection. He understood what it was to be the odd one out. He understood the pain and the anxiety. He understood what it was like to be like this. And he did all that he could to embrace her. He's doing all that he can to embrace you and I. Hallelujah. The saved finally, skillfully, skillfully. I love this. We could spend we could spend a week studying our Lord's methodologies here, couldn't we? And learning a great deal. How to engage in conversation. He didn't it didn't take him long to start talking about spiritual things, did it? He began with the physical. A, a, a cup of water from the well. Why wouldn't you? The well was there. He was thirsty, he was tired, we read. She was, she was fetching water. He started with the physical, but very quickly he switched it round to, to speak about spiritual matters. And why, why wouldn't Jesus speak about spiritual matters? You see, Jesus did not come to be a social worker. He came to be a spiritual savior. And he understood the woman's real need was spiritual. He said to her, verses 13, 14, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But anyone who drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Hallelujah. Without question, friends, social programs in the name of Jesus are good things. So long as they are a means to the end. And not the means themselves. The problem is with churches, the social programs become the end. The social programs define what we're doing. My friends, that's not right. That's not scriptural. Social programs are good if they are a means to an end. The end is to bring people to Jesus. My friends, this Samaritan woman unquestionably was brought to a saving faith. In Jesus Christ. Unquestionably. Just listen to her testimony. It's a little veiled, but it's there. In verse 29, as she went back to the village, she says, Come, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Strange statement, you say. Well, she said that, and as she said it, she was confirming her understanding as to who Jesus was. The Messiah. 
Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Her encounter with the Messiah so transformed her life, she was compelled to share her encounter with the very people from whom she was estranged. Notice. Isn't that something? You would think this should be so overjoyed. Well, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go back to that rabble in the Samaritan village. They don't like me. Not at all. She was transformed. Hallelujah. She was transformed. She was a new woman. And why not? If we're in Christ, the old is gone. The new has come. She is new and renewed. She has been born again of the Holy Spirit of God. It's transformed her perspective. It has transformed her life. It has transformed her interests. Notice she had forgotten about her domestic duties all of a sudden. She left her water jar behind. Hallelujah. That's what it's like when we become Christians, isn't it? And in a sense, we leave our water jars behind. We're not interested in the old life anymore. Why would we be? It concerns me. So many professing Christians still maintain a significant interest in the old life. That does concern me. I'm sorry. I'm speaking candidly. And maybe I shouldn't, but it concerns me. If we're in Christ, we're new creatures. If we're in Christ, we're transformed of heart and mind. If we're in Christ, all perspectives don't hold us anymore. We're motivated afresh. We're motivated anew. We, like the Samaritan woman, leave the water jar behind. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm G. I belong to Jesus. Why? Why so many professing Christians are holding on to the past? Still consumed with the past. Still preoccupied with past endeavors. I, 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 arguably there's not a lot of wrong in it, but there doesn't seem to be a, be, be a great deal of right in it either. She left her water jar behind. My friends, what a difference Jesus makes when he crosses our path. What a change the Holy Spirit brings when grace impacts our lives. A converted person no longer cares for what he or she once cared for. In a very real way, they leave the water jar behind. The whole world looks different. It was different for Peter, wasn't it? It was different for Matthew. It was different for Paul. Gosh, it was different for the Samaritan woman, wasn't it? The whole world looks different when we have an encounter with Jesus. And so shall it be for you and for me. Because of Jesus, the outcast becomes embraced. Because of Jesus, the despised is welcomed. The isolated is accepted. The sinner is saved. Because of Jesus, I am accepted. I am forgiven. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and I have no desire, no aspiration whatsoever to look back. To become consumed with the old life. Why, why would I? <laughs> it didn't satisfy me. <laughs> it didn't satisfy me then. It ain't going to satisfy me now. It didn't bring me glorious hope beyond the grave it didn't then it, it ain't going to now 
This Samaritan woman, she was saved, wasn't she? Capital S, uppercase A-V-E-D. She was saved. If anyone is in Christ, says Paul, they are new creatures. Wow, I'm looking at a bunch of new creatures. Exciting, isn't it? Kind of. Isn't it? Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to be accepted in Jesus Christ? The world might reject, often does. Jesus, he accepts. Father, we thank you for your precious word. This wonderful story known to us over many years, I'm sure, in so many ways and contexts. Uh, But what a wonderful reminder it is of what Jesus does when he comes across our paths. Oh Lord, having been reminded, might we rejoice afresh in Jesus this morning? Maybe our need is salvation and we still wrestle with it. Oh Lord, open our eyes to the truth of the gospel and show us, help us to understand that you're not a difficult taskmaster. On the contrary, you want to bless our socks off. You want to bring us real, genuine meaning and purpose for living. You want to give us hope. You want to give us strength. You want to give us peace and joy. Oh, Lord, will you not, like you did with the Samaritan woman, revolutionize our lives? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.